Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Frank Spangler, and this is Worldviews, a podcast that seeks to find harmony between the philosophies and worldviews of religion and science. What is inspiration? How does it happen? Where does it come from? Who gets inspiration? Are poets inspired? Writers? Musicians? Composers? George Frederick Handel wrote the magnificent oratorio, The Messiah, in three weeks faster than most people are able to copy it out by hand. Is that inspiration? Some psychics claim that if they take up a pen and let their mind go blank, that the pen will start to write on its own from some mysterious spiritual force in a process they call automatic writing. In the same way, some have reported that Using the same method, a supernatural power takes over their hands when placed on a typewriter or keyboard. Is this inspiration? The Bible claims that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. How did that process work? The Bible claims that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. In today's lesson, we are going to consider the nature of inspiration. What is it? How does it work? And what is the best approach to understanding works that claim to be inspired, especially the books of the Bible? Please join us. One of the most important steps that the Christian can take towards gaining a balanced and reasonable understanding of the Bible is to take a moment to consider what they believe about the nature of inspiration. When the Creator chose to communicate to people that He is the Creator of all things, how does He do it? I believe that this is an extremely important concept to understand. In Lesson 1, we talked about having a good foundation for our worldview and how even the ground underneath our foundation needs to be solid. Having a correct understanding of the nature of inspiration, I believe, is one of those foundational principles that needs to be sound. If people have a wrong understanding of how the Creator communicates, I believe that it will 
dramatically skew a person's worldview and prevent seekers after truth from reaching valid, satisfying, and responsible answers to some of life's biggest questions. As you might imagine, there are a lot of strong opinions and proposals about the nature of inspiration and how it works. However, to simplify our presentation today, I'm just going to break it down into two main groups that we will call verbal inspiration and thought inspiration. As people have discussed this question in the past, they've used different terminology. So that we can be clear, let's spend a moment to define these two terms, verbal inspiration and thought inspiration. Let's take a look first of all at verbal inspiration. Those who believe in the idea of verbal inspiration of Scripture teach that God carefully directed, if not actually dictated, every word of the Bible to his servants, the prophets. Adherents to this approach usually take the passages of Scripture very literally, often making direct, literal applications. This group will speak courageously about the inerrancy of Scripture and how it is the absolute and final authority on all subjects for all people throughout all time. Some might even spend months or even years looking for hidden or secret messages buried deep within the actual words in the way that they are arranged or even some kind of numerical secret code that can be derived from the actual words. Verbal inspiration. God dictating the words he wanted to communicate to the prophets, almost like the phenomenon of automatic writing that some psychics report. Let's move on now and talk about thought inspiration. Those who believe in thought inspiration of Scripture believe that our Creator inspired people with ideas, concepts, principles, through visions and dreams, but that when all is said and done, these ideas were ultimately written down in the personal words of the prophets themselves and were thus filtered through the lens of the prophets' worldview, their personal experience, language, and education. Now, having given the definition of these two main positions, I would like to suggest that it may not really be a good idea to have a firm position on this issue, at least not at the beginning 
of your spiritual journey. That any of us have a strong conviction of how inspiration works at all may be our biggest problem. Who are we to come to Holy Scripture or the ways of our Creator with a preconceived opinion of how inspiration must operate? Where did we get our ideas about inspiration? One of my theology professors in my undergrad experience also believed that the nature of inspiration was a foundational issue and that we must have a a good understanding of how it works. That if we go wrong here, we are most likely to have to face almost insurmountable difficulties as we try and understand Scripture. I remember very clearly how some of the things that he would point out in the Bible would sometimes be quite shocking. It would totally rock our understanding of the nature of inspiration. If you didn't know him well, you might have even thought that he was deliberately sowing seeds of doubt about the validity of Scripture. I remember him to also be somewhat of a comedian. Sometimes, before he would share some of these challenging points of Scripture with us, he would very dramatically go over to the door of our classroom and peer out the little porthole window to make sure that none of the other theology professors were nearby to maybe hear the words that he was about to speak. If you wanted to know about some of the things that he would share with us, it is actually quite easy these days. All you need to do is go to the internet and and Google the phrase inconsistencies in the Bible or contradictions in the Bible. Many skeptics of the Bible have gone to great effort to create exhaustive lists. Just be sure that your faith is strong before you go. Perhaps it would be a good idea to take a few more lessons here at Worldviews before you do that exercise. I believe that some of the things that we will propose here will help you approach some of these lists on the internet in a wise and responsible way. I thank God for my theology professor. I may not have fully appreciated what he was trying to do at the time, but in retrospect, of all of the things that I learned at my Bible college over the four years that I spent there in undergrad study, I look back on these discussions on the nature of inspiration as providing the basis for the most important principle that I learned during my time there. Rather than coming to the Bible with some preconceived idea of how inspiration must work, how much better my professor would say, 
how much more responsible to go to the Bible, observe what is happening in the pages of Scripture, step back and say, hmm, isn't that interesting that something like that can happen under the umbrella of inspiration? I must admit, my young mind had a hard time with this idea at first. But as I look back over the journey of my life, my walk with the Creator, my research and study, this one principle has saved me a thousand times from crashing my ship on the rocks of unbelief. I'll repeat it one more time for those who might have missed it. Rather than coming to the Bible with some preconceived idea of how inspiration must work, how much better, how much more responsible it is to go to the Bible, observe what is happening in the text, step back and say, hmm, isn't that interesting that this kind of thing can happen under the umbrella of inspiration? I believe this is so true. Really, who are we that we think that we have some kind of a handle on how the Creator communicates? Where do we get our firm convictions from. How much better it is to come to the Bible with nothing in our hands, so to speak. No prejudices, no bias, and simply, humbly observe. I would propose that after you approach Scripture this way for five or ten years, that you will be able to develop a more responsible understanding of the real nature of inspiration. Using this approach, Bible students are less likely to be blown away when they come across a website collection of Bible contradictions. When they come across passages that are difficult to understand, or statements that reflect an old worldview, such as the earth being the center of the universe, or that the earth is flat. Rather than lose their faith in the Bible, the seeker of truth can say, Wow, look at that! Isn't that an interesting feature of the nature of inspiration? I believe that as we approach the Bible in this way, that we will not only gain new perspectives into what the Bible teaches, but also new insights into the nature of the communicator himself, our Creator. Now, let's go back to the two main theories on the nature of inspiration. 
verbal inspiration and thought inspiration. From my own journey, I have come to the conclusion that thought inspiration of Scripture is the best approach. I offer the following evidence for this conclusion. First of all, we have the many different author styles. If the Bible was dictated by God, and the prophets simply wrote the message down word for word as they heard God speak to them, well, we would expect to find only one authorship style throughout the Bible, God's. Instead, we see a variety of different personalities emerging from the different books of the Bible as each new writer shares the things that God has inspired them to write down. Now, (laughs) this may not be readily noticeable in a surface reading of the King James Version of the Bible, where it all sounds like Shakespeare was the author of the Bible. But if you take the time to study the Bible in many different translations, modern translations, or better yet, learn the original languages of the Bible and study from them, these differences in writing styles become very apparent. Let's also notice the different cultural reflections that can be seen in the Bible. The books of the Bible were written by approximately 40 different authors over a period of about 1,000 to 1,200 years. Many references in the Bible are actually a synthesis of oral traditions that go back much further. And as we shall see in future lessons here at Worldviews, changes in culture, religious belief, and philosophy are often reflected in the things that are written. While the overall message of Scripture is amazingly consistent and in harmony, there are many examples of a development of thought, reflecting the changes in belief and culture over a 1,200-year period. This gives, to me, strong evidence that God inspired the ideas and thoughts, but each individual biblical author passes these thoughts through the filters of their own unique culture, worldview, language, and education. One author, such as Joel, may be a simple shepherd. Another author may have had a Ph.D., like the Apostle Paul. Each was inspired by God to write down a message. Each used the language, skills, imagery, education, and talents that they had to best share the message that God had given to them in their own words. Thirdly, let's notice how the Bible itself describes the process of inspiration. Above all, you must realize that 
No prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Again, this appears to be a description of the Creator moving on the heart of an individual through His Holy Spirit, and then the prophet speaks or writes. The result is that the message that is produced is not the original thought of the prophet. He did not come up with it on his own. It is not his agenda. It is a message from God. However, it is a mere mortal with limited capacities to describe what they may have seen in vision, a dream, or a result of a close walk with the Creator who floods the mind with thoughts and ideas. God does the inspiring. People do the writing in their own words, reflecting what they know about their world and cosmos. Does this approach diminish the value or trustworthiness of the Bible? No, I do not believe that it does. To me, it makes it more real. It also helps me understand some of the things that I read in the Bible that might be a little obscure and confusing. Rather than be discouraged about this or give up my faith in the Bible and God, it gives me a challenge. I say, okay, if I really want to understand this, I'm going to need to do a little more digging. I'm going to need to learn more about the life and times of the author. I'm going to need to understand his culture. I need to understand the challenges that they were facing, the crisis that was in their land when the message was given. I'm going to need to understand the bigger context. I'm going to need to be able to do some comparative analysis of the text, using five or six translations to see how different translators rendered the text. I may even have to go back to the original language that the message was written in, and with the help of lexicons, try and grasp the original intent of the author and see if maybe something may have gotten lost in translation. I believe that if people are willing to take this effort and study the scriptures deeply with a prayerful heart and are open to the guidance and teaching of the same Holy Spirit that inspired the prophets, that they will find insights that they need for faith and understanding. In our next lesson, I want for us to consider an idea that may help a lot of people understand why the Bible was written the way that it was and how we can apply the big ideas and principles to our lives today. 
I hope to see you back uh, for that study in our next episode here at Worldviews. In the meantime, I invite you to discover how the Creator has inspired people of God and how we may find Him through the messages of that inspiration. See you next time.